Book 6. The Capture. Chapter 1. I'm Jake. Just Jake. You don't need to know my last name, and I can't tell you, anyway. My story is full of small lies. I've changed people's names. I've changed the names of places. I've changed small details here and there. But the big stuff is true. All of it. The Yurks are here. On Earth. That is true. The Yurks have made controllers of many humans. They have inserted their gross, slug-like bodies into people's brains and made them into slaves. Controllers. That is true. Controllers are everywhere. My town. Your town. Everywhere. They can be anyone. The policeman on the corner. The teacher in your school. Your best friend. Your mother or your father. Your brother. I know, because my brother Tom is one of them. Tom is a controller, a slave to the yerk in his head. If he knew who I really was, what I really was, he would have me killed, or turned into a controller, like him. That's what my world is like now. A world where the enemy is everywhere. Even sitting across from me at the breakfast table on a Saturday morning, which is when this part of the story begins. Hey midget, what's up? Tom asked me as I sat down. That's one of the things he calls me. Actually, I'm kind of big for my age. Almost as big as Tom. But it's a joke we've had for years. You know how it is. Not much, I said. What's up with you? Oh, I'm going to a meeting. The sharing? I asked, trying to sound casual. The sharing is this group that tries to pretend like it's some kind of combined Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. It's really a front organization for controllers. The leadership council of the sharing is made up of high-ranking controllers. Yeah, we're doing some cleanup in the park. You know, do our part for the community and all. Then we're having a barbecue afterward. He gave me a serious look. You really should join, you know. We'd get to spend more time together. I felt a wave of sickness. I tried not to show it. It wasn't Tom talking. It was the yerk in his head. The yerk who wanted to take my body and use it as a host for one of his fellow slugs. As I sat there, across the table from him, I was trying to decide something. I was trying to decide whether I would have to ever destroy him. Destroy my brother who was not my brother. Not anymore. Maybe I will join someday. I said. Like when hell freezes over, I added silently. I poured myself some Wheaties and milk. So you'll be out for a while? All morning. Mom and Dad are out playing tennis. You'll have the house to yourself. Throw a party. Uh-huh, I said, and spooned up some cereal. It was hard not to just yell at him, to let him know that I knew all about him, what he was, what he was doing. At least, some of what he was doing. I had been spying on my brother. He was rising fast in the leadership of the sharing. He was a very loyal controller. The yerk in his head had been promoted. And he was involved in some new plan. A very big plan. A plan I had to stop, even if... Well, take it easy, midget, Tom said, sounding like he'd always sounded. You too. I waited till Tom was gone. I was alone. It was time. I went through the house, room by room, making sure no one was there. 
Then I got the little matchbox I'd hidden in my desk drawer. I could hear a scrambling noise coming from inside. I slid the matchbox open. I shuddered. It was a nice, big cockroach, brown and glossy and about an inch long. Its antennae waved eagerly. The roach tried to force its way out of the box, but I held my hand over it. I could feel the roach antennae tickling the bottom of my palm. It was pushing, trying to get away. I focused on the roach, thought about it, pictured it. The roach stopped moving and lay still. Not dead, just quiet. The way animals always get when you acquire them. I slid two fingers into the box to get a better contact with the roach. It felt hard and dry. I shuddered. I absorbed the cockroach's DNA pattern. It was becoming a part of me. The DNA, the genetic pattern, of many animals was part of me now. Tiger, dolphin, flea, falcon, trout, green anole lizard. I have the power to morph, to become any animal I can touch. The power was given to us, to me and my friends, by an Andalite prince moments before he was murdered by the Yurks. I have flown through the sky on my own outstretched wings at more than a hundred miles an hour. I have been a dolphin locked in deadly battle with sharks. I have felt the awesome power of the tiger and experienced the terrible loss of self, the emptiness and horror of becoming an ant. It was the gift of the dying Andalite, a powerful weapon for us to use in resisting the Yurks. It was also a dangerous, deadly curse. Like any weapon, I guess. And now I was preparing to become a cockroach. It would be the ideal way to infiltrate the Sharing's new headquarters building. The leadership meeting was in a couple of days. I wanted to be there. But the Yurks had grown cautious lately. They knew we were out here. They believed, wrongly, that we were a group of Andalite warriors. But they knew that more capable enemies were hunting them. Opposing them. Hurting them. Sometimes hurting them very badly. Tom. My brother. Could I destroy my own brother? You don't have to make that decision yet, I said aloud. All you have to do now is try out this roach morph. All I had to do now was become a cockroach. Cockroaches are not my favorite animal. But I knew a cockroach would be ideal for penetrating a guarded building. Roaches can go anywhere. You may have noticed that fact. I put my dog, Homer, out in the yard. I closed the curtains in my bedroom, making it as dark as possible. Oh man, the things I do with my spare time, I muttered. I thought of calling Marco and asking him to come over. Marco is my best friend. He's the one who actually came up with the word anamorph. No, I said. Do this yourself. The others were all tired. We'd had a rough time lately. Too many close calls. We needed a rest. Time to deal with normal stuff, like school. Our grades had been suffering since we'd become anamorphs. Besides, this had to be my decision. Tom was my brother. I took a deep breath. I braced myself. I took another deep breath. Okay, Jake, I said. Let's do it. The first mistake I made was standing in front of a full-length mirror. It was dark in the room, but there was still enough light for me to see the changes. Big mistake. Morphing is never pretty. It is always unpredictable. In fact, 
If you saw it happening and you didn't know what was going on, you'd end up screaming for about two weeks straight. The first feeling was of shrinking. It's exactly like falling. Like you're falling forever. I watched myself shrink in the mirror. It didn't look as bad in the mirror as it felt. But what really did look bad was my skin, as it began to be covered by an armored plate of brown cockroach shell. Ah! I yelled in surprise. My fingers melted together and formed a single many-jointed bug leg. Antennae jumped out of my forehead. They seemed to stick out forever, then curl back, like they were being blown by a wind. My waist was squeezed, and the lower part of my body swelled, forming a swollen insect abdomen. Swollen and brownish-yellow with ripples, sort of like the Michelin Man. Then, when I was about a foot tall, I felt the last of my bones dissolve. I could actually hear it happening. My spine had been grinding as it shrank. Then, suddenly, I heard a squishy sound as all my internal organs lost their bone support. My skull melted away. It was the last sound I heard clearly as my ears and human senses of hearing faded. I was a bag of loose guts, almost deaf, half-blind as my human eyes shrank and the lenses became distorted. My exoskeleton got harder and stiffer and stronger. My wings, glossy and crisp, covered my back. They overlapped at the edges like the metal plates of a suit of armor. Extra legs suddenly sprouted from my chest. Only, it wasn't exactly a chest anymore. I was a stunted, six-inch-long bug, with a few disintegrating strands of brown hair and shrunken but still somewhat human eyes. Not attractive. Not even slightly. Then, I lost my eyes. It took a second to even realize that I could still see. Then, oh yes! Yes, I could see. But not the way I saw with human eyes. A weird, wavy mountain seemed to wrap all around me. My clothes. They looked different. Blue and green and gray. Kind of. It's hard to describe exactly. I couldn't see very far, just a few feet. And what I could see was shattered into dozens of little images. I saw little bits of vast, fibrous walls, my socks, and dark tunnels made of thick slabs of what could have almost been wavy, corrugated concrete, the legs of my jeans. The fibers of the carpet looked gray-green to me, and as big as ropes. My hairy, jointed roach legs would catch in the fibers as I tried to move. I felt the roach brain surfacing. I'd been through it before. It's different each time, depending on the animal. Sometimes it's a bunch of raw energy and fear that takes over your mind, so you think you're going crazy. But not the roach brain. I didn't feel great hunger. I didn't feel great fear. The roach was... calm. Confident. Unworried. I laughed. I mean, in my head I laughed, because I no longer had a mouth or a throat or anything at all that would make a laugh. I was so tensed up, expecting the cockroach to be a bundle of energy and fear, but mostly, it just felt like resting. The roach brain wanted to take a nap. Cool, I thought. It's gross, it's disgusting, Marco and the others will hate the idea, but when I tell them how easy it is to handle... VIBRATION! Get ready, get ready. What is it? Get ready. Light, light, light! Chapter 2 RUN! Run from the light! Imagine being in one of those race cars at the Indianapolis 500. Now imagine that instead of sitting in one, 
you are strapped face down underneath one. Your nose is about a tenth of an inch from the road, and you're going 180 miles an hour. That's what it was like when I ran. My roach legs powered like something from a Roadrunner cartoon. I blew out from under the folds of my own clothing. I blew across the carpet. I was rocket propelled. Someone had put the light on in my room, and when the light came on, my roach brain stopped being calm and relaxed. Zoom! Three miles an hour. That's very fast when you're only an inch long. Vibration, vibration, vibration. Heavy steps rattled the floor. They vibrated up through my legs. My tiny roach brain knew what they meant. Something, very, very big, was walking around. Chasing me! Run! Zoom! Across the carpet. Suddenly, a wall. Up, left, right, which way? Vibration, vibration, vibration. Wait, a crack. It wasn't much of a crack, just enough space to slip a quarter through. No way I could fit. Or could I? My underside scraped the floor. My hard brown wing cover scraped the bottom of the baseboard, but I barely had to slow down. I was in the wall! Ha! The big thing that rattled the floor would never catch me now. I was safe here. A nail as thick as a tree trunk stuck up from the wood. I went around it. On either side of me, I saw bright, straight lines of light that seemed to go on forever. They were the cracks beneath the baseboards. To one side, a thick, shiny slab with irregular edges intruded into the wall. The edge of the kitchen linoleum. High above, I could see other lights, more circular and dimmer. These were the holes where pipes entered the wall. Ah! Something moving, close by. Oh, gross, a cockroach. Get a grip, Jake, I told myself. You're a cockroach too. But still, you just don't want to be face-to-face with a cockroach as big as you are. I mean, he was right at eye level. The other roach's antennae felt me, sweeping over me, tangling briefly with my antennae. We said hi, or at least we said the roach version of hi, which wasn't really hello. It was more like, oh, you're a roach too. Now, in the darkness inside the wall, I felt calmer. The electric fear was gone. The suddenness of the light had been the problem. That and the vibration. I could still feel the vibrations, but they were different now, further away. Okay, I'd had enough of being a roach. It was time to get to some safe place, demorph, and find out who had been in my room. Why was someone in my room? A few minutes earlier and they would have caught me in mid-morph. Stupid of me. Stupid, stupid. Where could I go to demorph? The garage? Yes, the garage. There wasn't any mirrors, and I sure didn't want to watch myself morph again. Through the kitchen, out under the back door. That was the way. I went to the bright crack ahead of me, the kitchen. I scampered up the ledge of the linoleum. I stuck my head and antennae out beneath the baseboard. The vibrations were all far away, in some other room. I emerged from the crack. Over my head was an incredibly high canyon. It went up and up, far higher than I could see. Two parallel walls, just a few body lengths apart. Of course, the refrigerator. I was behind the refrigerator. One side of the canyon was the kitchen wall. The other side was the back of the refrigerator. Someone really should sweep back here. There were dust bunnies the size of couches. 
but no problem. I was getting the hang of it now. Follow the baseboard, to the next wall. Turn right, and then there would be the door. No problem. I was in charge. Some big barn-like structure was ahead of me. It looked like one of those old-fashioned covered bridges. Huh. Probably an old matchbox. I went in, trotting along my six-jointed legs. Wait. I wasn't moving anymore. What the... I tried to turn. I was stuck! I tried again. One leg was free, but the others were frozen in place. What was... I felt around with my antennae. Now my antennae were stuck. I couldn't move. I couldn't move at all. I was trapped. Chapter 3 So? Rachel demanded. What was it? How did you get trapped? I'll bet I know, Marco said, grinning sardonically, which is the only way he knows how to grin. Jake checked in, but he couldn't check out. I nodded. Roach Motel. I walked into a stupid roach motel. I ran right onto the sticky paper, and man, I could not move. Very frustrating. You know, you could do commercials for the roach motel company, Marco suggested. Take it from me, roach boy. These things really work. It was later in the day, and we were in Cassie's barn. Rachel, Marco, Tobias, Cassie, and me. As usual, the place was filled with wire cages, and the cages were filled with animals. Rabbits, foxes, baby deer, eagles, possums, morning doves, all of them injured or sick. Some of them feisty and ready to be released. We were lounging around on bales of hay and piles of feed sacks. All except Tobias, who was up in the rafters high overhead, and Cassie, who was feeding some of the animals. Everyone seemed to think my roach experiment was funny. Except for Cassie. Cassie was the only one not smiling. She gave me a very disapproving look. Jake, you of all people should know better. She was right. I knew she was right. But that just made me more stubborn. Look, I was just trying out the morph to see if it would be good for us to use. Cassie totally did not buy my argument. She put down the bucket she was carrying. She took off her heavy work gloves. She came over and stood about a foot from me. Then she stuck her finger in my face. Uh-oh. Margot said in a loud whisper. Jake's in trouble. Big time, Rachel agreed. Jake, Cassie said, don't ever do that again. Now, you are sort of the one in charge, but I am telling you, don't ever do that again. Don't ever try some new morph without one of us there. Do you understand? Cassie, I was just... "Uh Uh-uh, no. Don't tell me you were just. Don't ever do that again. Um, Jake... I think this is the point where you just say, yes ma'am, Tobias said, in the thought speak that comes with being in a morph. I hung my head. Okay, Cassie, sorry. Rachel whistled appreciatively. It's a new, tougher Cassie. I approve. I remember when she used to be so sweet, Marco said. I didn't know her voice could even sound like that. Plus, look, she now comes with a kung fu grip. Cassie ignored them. Instead, she gave me a private look, just between the two of us. I knew what the look meant. It meant, I care about you. Don't be dumb. And the look I sent her meant, I know. I care about you too. Okay, I realize it sounds corny, but give me a break. We've been through a lot, Cassie and I. And all of us. 
we'd grown pretty close. To me, Cassie is an amazing person. For one thing, she handles all kinds of responsibility. Her barn is actually the Wildlife Rehabilitation Clinic. Her parents are both veterinarians, and her dad runs the clinic as a way to help injured wild animals. Everything from seagulls to skunks. And Cassie helps him with all the work, except for doing surgery. But I'll bet she could do that, too. As for how she looks, well, she's very pretty. Kind of short. She only comes up to my chin. But then, I'm fairly tall. But she's not one of those wimpy-looking short girls, you know? Not all prissy. She's strong-looking. Mostly, when I picture Cassie, I think of her wearing overalls and boots because of working in the barn so much. I guess most guys would say Rachel is prettier. Personally, I don't think of her that way because she's my cousin, but Rachel does look like some kind of blonde supermodel. Not that Rachel acts like Miss Fashion, just the opposite. If there's danger, Rachel is right there, usually a few steps ahead of anyone else. Marco says Rachel's enjoying it all, that she's actually glad about all that's happened in our lives since the night when we saw the Andalite's damaged spaceship land in the construction site. Marco refers to Rachel as Xena, warrior princess. But that's Marco. For him, everything is a joke. Except for his family. Or what's left of it. Marco is small, with dark eyes and dark, long brown hair. Cassie says a lot of the girls at school think he's cute. I wouldn't know. Most of the time, Marco and I totally do not get along. He says I'm too serious. Personally, I think he's just a little too immature sometimes. We disagree about everything. He actually tries to tell me that college hoops are better than the NBA. Yeah, right. Please. What are you going to do with a guy like that? We get on each other's nerves a lot of the time. We're also best friends and have been since we were babies. I would do almost anything for Marco, and he would do the same for me. Of course, he'd complain the whole time. Oh man, that guy can complain when he wants to. The last member of our original group is Tobias. Tobias used to be this kind of sweet guy with wild blonde hair. A dreamy sort of person with a really terrible home life. Used to be. I glanced up at him. He was perched on a rafter overhead. He was preening his wing feathers, carefully combing them out with his beak. It's an amazing beak. It has a wicked, cruel-looking hook at the end, the better to tear open mice and rats and other small animals he eats. Tobias is a red-tailed hawk. I guess maybe he will always be a red-tailed hawk. See, there's one problem with morphing. A time limit of two hours. If you stay in morph more than two hours, you stay forever. Which is why Rachel asked me, So, what's the rest of the story? How did you get out of the Roach Motel before the time was up? I notice you're human again. More or less, Marco added. I shrugged. Well, I sat there for a while, trying to squirm out, but it didn't work. I was stuck good. But it was okay, because as I sat there, I realized I could start to make sense of some of the vibrations I was hearing. Some of it was sound. People speaking. What people? Marco asked. My parents. My dad twisted his ankle playing tennis, which is why they'd come home early. They were the ones who had gone into my room, looking for the ace bandage I have in my drawer. They were the ones who turned on the light. Anyway, what could I do? I wasn't about to get stuck in a roach morph, and I could tell my parents were up in their bedroom, so I demorphed. Wait, weren't you behind the refrigerator? Tobias asked in thought speak. 
Yeah, and it was very tight. But as I grew, I could push the refrigerator out an inch at a time. Still, I thought I was going to suffocate back there. And then, just as I was getting human again, my mom walks in. That made them all lean forward. What? Cassie demanded. Your mom? What did she see? What did she say? Well, all she could see was my head. It was normal, fortunately. And what she asked me was, Jake, why are you back there? And while we're at it, why do you have the top of a roach mantle stuck in your hair? Everyone got a good laugh out of that image. Marco was the first to stop laughing. He was looking at me kind of sideways, the way he does when he thinks I'm hiding something. Very funny and all, Jake, Marco said. But you haven't told us why you were morphing a roach. And don't give me that I was trying it out routine. I stopped laughing. Sooner or later, I would have to tell them. I would have to tell them everything. Okay, look. I've learned something. For one thing, Tom is getting more important to the Yerks. I think now he's just below Chapman as a controller. Rachel gave a low whistle. Chapman is our assistant principal at school. He is also the most important controller we know about. Tom is careful about not letting my parents or me overhear anything suspicious, I said. But he does make phone calls using our phone sometimes. I've been checking the automatic redial when he's done, so I know some of the people he's calling. Marco laughed. Cool, Jake the super spy. Nice trick. And who is Tom calling? Tobias asked. Doctors. Five different doctors. I've looked them up in the phone book. They all practice at the same hospital. The same wing of the hospital, at something called the Berman Clinic. Berman is one of the doctors Tom calls. It took a few minutes for the facts to sink in. Wait a minute, Rachel said. Are you saying the Yerks are running that hospital? Or at least a part of that hospital? Why would they want a hospital? I hesitated before answering. I wasn't sure my guess was right. Maybe I was just being paranoid. But Marco, who could teach a class in paranoia, had already figured it out, of course. Oh man, they're going to use the hospital to infest host bodies. You check in to have your tonsils out, or to have a cast put on your broken arm. You check out as a controller. Hey Phantomorphs, thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. It's your host Daniel, and I am very sleepy today. So let's make this brief. Um, we're into book six. Uh, I'm finally getting to narrate Jake again, which is a huge relief on my vocal cords, personally. It's real nice to to not have to do like a weird voice that hurts my throat for 80% of a book. Although I also don't really have a voice for Jake's family, and I didn't think they would be this prominent, at least in the early chapters. Sorry if they all kind of sound the same. Working with what I got. Anyway, if you liked what you heard, you can hear more at audiomorphs.podbean.com or search up Audiomorphs on iTunes and leave me a rating and a review because I still have zero of those and that makes me sad. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can do that at audiomorphscast at tumblr... Oops, nope. Audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. I'd also like to give one more shout out to the anonymous Tumblr user, or maybe not user, the anonymous person who sent me a 
ask on Tumblr, uh, telling me to use Kesha's Animal for the next opening track. It's animal-themed, or it has the word animal in the song, so close enough. Thank you, I was out of music. I appreciate you. You're the best. Anyway, I'm gonna get out of here and maybe take a nap. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.